Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. It's funny, you know, like my wife Corinne and Pastor Dave, they get to swear from the front all the time. <laughs> I never do, I'm not even going to try. We're on this journey through the gospel of John. Our goal is the same as John's was when God inspired him to write this gospel. That we would know what Jesus said and what Jesus did. But even deeper than that, that we would get to know who Jesus is. And deeper still, that we would get to know Jesus. And if we already know him, that we would get to know him better. And in light of that, before we jump into the incredible events of John chapter 4, I want to tell you a quick story. So last week, Sunday, after our incredible baptism services, where 28 people took that incredible step of faith, I walked home. And as I was walking home, God spoke to me. He gave me something that I am going to try to pass on to you, to the best of my ability. And it went something like this. He said, first of all, he reminded me that if you go back to John chapter 1, we learn that Jesus is the human expression of the character and the nature and the person of God. That Jesus is the human expression of the character and the nature and the person of God. In other words, if you've met Jesus, you've met God. If you know Jesus, you know God. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I kept walking and then God brought to mind three of the names that the Jewish people have given God throughout the ages. The first name he reminded me of was Jehovah Rapha. Our God is a healer. He heals. The second name that God brought to my mind was Jehovah Jireh. Our God is a provider. Our God provides. And the third name is Jehovah Nisi. Our God is a banner. He is a banner who goes before us and fights for us. So I want you to think about that, that, that our God is a banner and that he goes before us. In other words, in other words, in other words, Jesus has gone before us into this spectacular moment. Jesus has gone before us into this spectacular moment. And he is still Jehovah Rapha. He is still a healer. So in a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity whether you're here in person or you're watching online, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to stand up. And right here in this spectacular moment, we're gonna pray that Jesus, who's gone before us into this moment, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, would bring healing to you. If you need healing, physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing, we're gonna pray for you. And we're here in this spectacular moment, knowing that this same Jesus who has gone before us is still Jehovah Jireh. He still provides. He is still a provider. So in a few moments, I'm going to give you the opportunity to stand up if you need provision, if you need financial provision, if you need emotional provision, like you're running low on hope, you're running low on strength, you're running low on joy, you're running low on patience. He's here in this spectacular moment. He's gone before us into this spectacular moment. And he's still Jehovah Nisi. He is still our banner. 
And so I'm going to give you the opportunity in a few moments to stand up if you just feel lost, if you feel confused, if you don't know what direction that you need to go in. He still goes before us, you know. He is still there to break through the confusion and lead us. And he still fights for us. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling defeated, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And right here in this spectacular moment, he's here and he fights for us. So if that's you today, if you need prayer for healing, for provision, for direction, or for help, I want you to stand up right now. Whether you're online or in person, I'm just gonna ask you to stand up. And if you're still seated, I would just ask you, would you please join your heart with my heart as we pray for those in this spectacular moment. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have gone before us. And so we cry out to you in this spectacular moment that you are still Jehovah Rapha. You still heal. You are still the great physician. So we call out to you, Jesus, the same Jesus who raised Lazarus from death to life, the same Jesus who made the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. We pray that you would bring healing that for those who are standing that need your physical healing, that what is broken would be made whole, that sickness would be made well. For those who are standing in person or online who need emotional healing, they're just getting beat down by anxiety, depression, and discouragement, that you would bring them light and hope. And for those who need relational healing, that these relationships in their life that people would say, man, all is lost. The odds are so stacked against you. It'll never work. We pray to the God who defies the odds. We thank you that you've gone before us into this spectacular moment. And Jesus, you are still Jehovah Jireh. You still provide for your people. So I pray for those who need your provision, who need your resources. God, that you would provide in supernatural ways that you would give them supernatural insight and wisdom to know exactly where to turn and where to go. And for those who need emotional resources, those who are just running low on hope, running low on strength, running low on joy, running low on patience, God, would you remind, would you show them today and in the days to come that even when they're running low, you never run low, that your supply is infinite. Would you intercede for them in this spectacular moment? Thank you that you've gone before us and that you are still Jehovah Nisi. You are our banner. And Jesus, we thank you. And we pray that the same God who led the Israelites, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, that you would be a pillar of fire for those who are seeking direction today that you would show them which way to go. One next step at a time, you would lead them through the confusion, through the fog, through the, through the uncertainty into your certainty. And God, for those who are feeling overwhelmed and defeated at the end of themselves, Father, I pray, Jesus, I pray that you would fight for them. That they would look up there at the end of themselves and see that once we get to the end of ourselves, all we need to do is look up and there you are, our shield, our protector. 
Jehovah Nisi. We thank you. We thank you that you've gone before us into this spectacular moment. We pray this in your name. We'll be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise. And everybody said, amen, amen. You can take a seat. So we're in this spectacular moment. Just about to jump into some amazing events of John chapter 4. Before we do, I want to ask you, in light of the fact that we're in this spectacular moment, if your phone isn't silenced yet, can you make sure you silence it? And if I could even go a step further, I would love to ask you this. Man, if you could delay your bathroom break until the sermon is over, that would be awesome. That would be just so cool. You know why? Because I don't want you to miss anything that God has for you. And I actually don't want the people who are sitting around you and behind you to miss anything either. John chapter 4, we're going to see that Jesus is a healer. He heals a woman at the end of a rope. We're going to see that Jesus is the provider. He, he provides joy to a village that has run very low. And finally, we're going to see that he goes before us because he orchestrates these events for a conversation to happen against all odds at just the right time. John chapter 4, Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed, although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing, they had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. Interesting, because if you're heading from the south to the north, from Jerusalem to Galilee. It was about a three-day walk if you walked in a straight line, but nobody walked in a straight line in the first century in Palestine. They didn't take the three-day journey. They took a six-day journey because they went around Samaria. They went the long way around. And to explain that, I'm going to give you a quick illustration. Let's imagine that you and I decide that we're going to drive to Red Deer to visit. And why wouldn't we, by the way? Okay? <laughs> And so we're going to drive to Red Deer, and the most direct route would be through Kamloops, Revelstoke, Golden, Banff, and if we really hustle, 10 hours. But let's imagine that you and I decide that instead of going the most direct route, we're going to go through Spokane, Washington, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Missoula, Montana, up through Sweetgrass, 20 hours. And let's say it's not only you and me, but it's everybody in the Fraser Valley. That when everybody heads to Red Deer, and why wouldn't they, by the way, they, 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 they go through Spokane. They go 20 hours instead of 10. And here's the reason why. They say, I can't stand the Canadian mountain people. By the time I get to Hope, I would rather punch them in the head than look at them, to be honest with you. It's ridiculous. When I get to Revelstoke, I just can't stand it. I'm overwhelmed by their disgustingness. When I'm in Golden, I don't even want to get on my car because I'm scared their disgustingness will rub off on me. That's weird, right? Well, that's how the Jews felt in the first century in Palestine. They hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were Jews who had married non-Jews. They started their own religion. They put their own temple up on Mount Gerizim. They said, now this is the real temple instead of the temple in Jerusalem. Have you ever heard the phrase, you're dead to me? You're dead to me? If you were a Jewish family and a member of your family married a Samaritan, you would literally have a funeral for them. They were dead. And yet, Jesus had to go through Samaria. 
Interesting, right? See, there's a conversation that Jesus needs to have. There's a person that Jesus needs to meet. See, for Jesus, people were more important than politics. People were more important than religion. People were more important than grudges. I mention that because I wonder, I'm sure you don't drive 20 hours to Red Deer. You take the 10 hour road and why wouldn't you, okay? But I wonder if there's someone in your life who you avoid. I wonder if there's someone in your life that you ignore. I wonder if there's some grudges that you need to let go of, just a thought. He came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon, it was noon, it was noon. Okay, so they're traveling through this desert climate. Okay, when you're traveling in this desert climate, you needed to know where the wells were because you needed water. And so when Jesus and his disciples show up at this particular well, it's noon. So one thing they know for sure, no one else will be there. Certainly no local people will be there. No one in their right mind would go to the well at noon in the hottest part of the day. Everybody who had any brains would go early in the morning before the heat of the day. The story continues. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. No one in their right mind would be at this well at noon except she was there. And the reason she was there was because no one in their right mind would be at a well at noon. She went because no one else would be there. She went because she was despised and rejected by her own people. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. The reason she was there at noon is because she didn't want to talk to anybody. Because when she was around the rest of the people in her village, all she felt was that they despised her and they rejected her. She felt animosity. She felt gossip. She felt hatred. It's super interesting because you think to yourself, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? Because he needs to talk to her. He needs to have a conversation with her. Out of all the people in the world that day, Jesus needed to have a conversation with her. She's the reason he had to go through Samaria, and yet, well, she's a Samaritan. It's like 15th class citizen. Not only that, she's a woman. In the first century in Palestine, women were second class citizens at best. Oh, and she's despised and rejected by her own people. So this woman is like the second class of the second class of the second class of the second class. And she's the one that Jesus is gonna have a conversation with that day. Now I mention that to you because I'm wondering if you've ever felt despised and rejected. Further, I would ask you this. What do your parents say about you? What do your bosses say about you? What do your aunts and uncles say about you? What do your siblings say about you? What do your friends say about you? Maybe more importantly, how about this? What do you say about you? 
I just want, I want to stop. Because remember, we're in this Gospel of John because not only do we want to know what Jesus said and what Jesus did, but we really want to know him. So please stop for a second and understand that of all the people on the entire planet in that moment, she's the one that Jesus wanted to talk to. I say that to you because I would suggest, I would say with full confidence that no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done or what they say about you, Jesus has gone before you into this spectacular moment. Why? Because he wants to have a talk with you. So she looks at him and says, man, why would a Jew like you offer someone like me a drink of water? Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. Jesus is saying to her something I said to you a couple weeks ago, that you're a lot more than skin deep. You're a lot deeper than skin deep. You go a lot deeper than flesh and bone. You go a lot deeper than brains and brawn. You go a lot deeper than feelings and finances. You're way deeper than that. And Jesus looks at her and says this, as badly as your physical body needs water in this desert climate, climate you need living water. You need living water to quench your thirsty, dying soul. Jesus looks at her and says, your primary need, even greater than water for your physical body, in this desert climate, you need living water to quench your thirsty soul. And Jesus says, I can give it to you. Through the Holy Spirit, I can give you living water that'll quench your thirsty soul. It kind of reminds me of golfing in Palm Springs, California. Palm Springs, California is right in the middle of a desert. And you're driving out to the golf course and you're like, man, this doesn't look like it's going to be a very fun round because it's just desert. It's gross. It's dead everywhere. And you, and you start to get closer to the golf course and you realize, ah, there it is. There it is. See, water has been brought in. That, that area has been irrigated. Now it's green and lush and beautiful. And Jesus says to you and he says to this woman 2,000 years ago, your primary need is that you're thirsty dying dry soul would be irrigated by living water and would go from death to life. The woman says, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with and this well is deep. So how are you gonna get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. I won't ever have to come back to this well again. I won't ever have to come back to this well again. I don't ever want to come back to this well again. Can you blame her? She doesn't ever want to come back to this well again, and you can't blame her. When she thinks about this particular well, what does she think about? Well, she thinks about when she goes in the morning with everybody else, it's hatred and rejection. When she goes in the morning with everybody else, it's hatred and rejection. 
Oh, so she starts to come at noon when no one else is there. And then it's just this feeling of isolation. I'm completely and totally alone. She says, you know what? If I never, if I never have to come to this stupid well again, man, that'll be great. I'll be fine. And you know what it is actually? It's a little bit of outside in thinking. Jesus' plan for your life, Jesus' plan for my life, Jesus' plan for her life is that we would live inside out, that we would understand the greatest need that I have in my life is that living water would quench my thirsty soul. But what we often do is this. We go, man, if I could just change my circumstances, I could change my life. If I could just change my circumstances, I could change my life. Outside in thinking. Man, I need a new job. I need a, and maybe you do, by the way. Maybe you do. But here's the truth. You might get a new job, but can I be absolutely honest with you for a second? New job, same you. New job, same you. Man, I really need a new car. Oh, you might, you might, hope you get one. But please understand something, new car, same you. Oh, I need a new house. Man, maybe you do, hope you get one. New house, same you. Man, I need a new, I'm gonna move to Red Deer, Alberta, and why wouldn't you? But please understand something, new hometown, same you. I need a new spouse, new spouse, same you. Outside in living doesn't work. Outside in living doesn't work. Jesus presses that point home. He says this, hey, go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. So please understand this. In this culture, at this time, the fact that she's had five husbands and the guy she is with now is not her husband means that she's faced incredible abuse in her life. Incredible abuse. Incredible pain. Incredible rejection. And so when Jesus looks at her and says this, man, all of that pain and all of that abuse and all of that rejection, and yes, all of the guilt for the things that she's done wrong would have come flooding back. Not a cool moment for her. So she says this, oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Look, a bird. She's changing the subject. She's looking at Jesus saying, on some level. Hey man, there's a reason why I come here at noon. I come here at noon in the hottest part of the day because you know what I don't wanna do? I don't really wanna talk about my sex life. And here I am right now, and I'm talking about my sex life. And Jesus looks at her and loves her and says, no, 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 no. You need living water to quench your thirsty soul. He says this, believe me, woman, <laughs> the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter. When what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. 
It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. What a spectacular moment. Jesus says, you're the reason I had to come through Samaria. I love you. You need living water to quench your thirsty soul. Such an amazing conversation. You think Jesus could have gone three ways with this conversation, right? The first way he could have gone is he could have gone with congratulations. Congratulations. He could have looked at this woman, five husbands, desperately trying to quench her thirsty soul. He could have looked at her and said, hey, 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 congratulations. 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 You do you, girl. You do you. I think our culture is a little bit like that. We go with congratulations. You do you, you know? You do you. And and we trip all over ourselves trying to affirm people wherever they're at. You do you, girl. I keep thinking to myself, though, because when we look at somebody and say, hey, what's good for you is good for you. Isn't that an easy thing to say? What's good for you is good for you. What's good for you is good for you. The problem with that that I've been wondering about lately is this. What if I look at you and say this? What's good for you is good for you, but it's not. Like, what if I look at somebody and I say, what's good for you is good for you, and it's not? That would be an issue, wouldn't it? Then as I'm tripping all over myself saying, who am I to judge? I might as well be saying this. Who am I to care? So Jesus didn't go with congratulations. There's a second way that he could have gone, and that's condemnation. That's what church people often do. Religious people often do this. It's like a twisted, demonic version of Oprah Winfrey. You're going to hell, and you're going to hell, and you're going to hell, and you're going to, I'm not meaning to point at anybody, okay? You're, all right? You're evil, and you're disgusting, and you're you're bad, and you're going to hell, and that's condemnation. It's a really gross, gross, gross way to live when your primary posture in life is to lean into other people's faults and define their lack of living up to whatever you think they should be living up to. Condemnation. It's a gross way to live. Like the same John that wrote this gospel that we're walking through wrote the last book of the Bible. He wrote the book called Revelation. It's real interesting because In Revelation chapter 12, God inspired John to write that our spiritual enemy, the devil, one of the names that's given to him is accuser. Condemner. Accuser. So when you play that twisted, demonic version of Oprah Winfrey, you're going to hell, and you're going to hell, and you're going to hell, and you're going to hell. You're cooperating. You're cooperating. You're participating in the work of the devil in the world. 
The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. You're cooperating with his work, stealing joy, killing hope, destroying destinies. You can go with congratulations, Jesus didn't go that way. You can go with condemnation, Jesus didn't choose that because there's a third C, and the third C is this, compassion. He just looks at this woman and says, you're the reason that I had to come through Samaria. Hey, I love you. You don't need to live like this anymore. I love you. You don't need to live this way anymore. I love you. You don't need to live this way anymore. You need living water to quench your thirsty soul. So last Friday, I lost my AirPods. And uh, we'll misplace them, okay? And um, it was my day off. So I woke up early in the morning. I was going to go to the gym. Couldn't find my AirPods. Went to the gym without my AirPods. Adversity, okay? So got, got back from the gym. Was going to go for a long walk. Couldn't find my AirPods. Went for a long walk without my AirPods. Thank you, okay? So I got back from my long walk. And I'm looking for my AirPods. And I really want to ask Corinne to help me find them. But I don't because we have a long history of her helping me find things. And it's a bit of a problem, okay? So... She has this uncanny ability to find things that I can't find. And then when she finds them, she always says something like this. There was a hair over it. That's what she actually says every time. Oh, I found it for you. There was a hair over it. I can see why you weren't able to find it. So look, I'm not going to ask her to help me find it. So this is what I did. I said to her, hey, Corinne, have you seen my AirPods? Right? I didn't ask her to help me find it. She, she says to me, uh, I said, oh, did, did you see my AirPods? She says... Did you check in the pockets of the clothes that you were wearing last night? And I'm thinking to myself, thanks, Sherlock Holmes. Like, wow, amazing insight. What incredible deduction, Sherlock. I didn't say that out loud, okay? But that's what I was thinking. I said, what I said out loud was, yes, Corinne, I, I, I have checked in the pockets of the clothes that I was wearing last night. Thank you so very much. So then I secretly went through all her, her stuff to make sure she didn't steal my AirPods inadvertently, okay? okay I, I went looking through my car, couldn't find them. So later on in the afternoon, I say, hey, Corinne, have you seen my AirPods yet? And she says, I haven't, but are you sure you looked through the pockets of the clothes that you were wearing last night? I'm thinking, wow, Magnum P.I., like you are just so insightful, you know, I thought about that first without you. And then after you reminded me once, I thought, but I didn't say any of that out loud. I said, Corinna did. I've, I've looked several times in the pockets of the clothes that I had last night, and I wasn't able to find them. So I texted Bedza and Samuel, my sons, and asked them if they had my AirPods. They did not. Even though it was my day off, I drove into my office. I went through my office, could not find my AirPods. I went on to Facebook Marketplace, okay? So all hope was gone, right? I went on to Facebook Marketplace. I'm looking for, I've lost these things, man. I'm never gonna find them. They're gone, okay? And now I gotta buy a used pair off a of Facebook marketplace that somebody has stuck into their ears, but I'm doing it, I'm desperate. <laughs> so that night, our nine-month-old grandson, Finn, came over to hang out. And after dinner, I say to Corinne, look, I'm gonna swallow my pride here. I've checked the pockets. Like during the day, every time she would tell me, I, would check, I, I secretly went in. I checked the pockets of these like 10 times. I'm like, I can't find the AirPods, Corinne. So if I hang out with Finn, if I play with Finn, would you please just go look for my AirPods, just give it a shot? I mean, you never know, a fresh set of eyes, you know? Okay, so she goes into our room less than 10 seconds later. 
less than 10 seconds later, she comes up with my AirPods. I'm like, wow, it's like a miracle. You know, where were they? They were in the pocket of the pants that you were wearing last night. Why do I bring up that story? Not entirely sure, but let me try. I think for all of us, Jesus has come to us just like he did for this woman 2,000 years ago. He says, you know what your primary need is? Your greatest need. In fact, maybe the source of a lot of the um, unsatisfactory nature of your life, you need living water to quench your thirsty soul. And we're just like, you think I don't know that? (laughs) Then we read in the Bible, it says, whoever loves money never has enough money. It's like, wow, thanks, Sherlock Holmes. Like as if money is gonna, but yet, but yet, but yet, but yet, we have a tendency at times, we kind of know it in theory, and yet we live our lives as if that pursuit of money might actually quench my thirsty soul. Or we read in the Bible where it says, man, pleasing people is a snare, but pleasing God will set you free. And we're like, wow, Magnum P.I., as if. Like, I don't, I know that I'm not supposed to live for the approval of people. I get it. And yet, something about me has this tendency to live as if, man, if I could just please people, if I could just be seen as successful, if I could just be popular, if I could just be seen as a winner, that would be enough. And, and Jesus stands in the pages of history and says this to you. You know what you need? You need living water to quench your thirsty Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. Pretty shocking, don't you think? She's met Jesus face to face. And the first thing she does is goes back to the village and says, hey, there's someone that you just have to meet. Why would she do that for them? The people who have made her feel despised and rejected. Man, I really thought about that a lot this week. Because we live in a world today, you and me, we live in a world where there's a a lot of animosity, a lot of enmity, a lot of tribalism, a lot of conflict, you know? And I think if you really boiled it down, it, it, it often just comes down to this basic truth. Hurting people hurt people. That's it, right? Hurting people just keep hurting people. It's their world. But then this woman meets Jesus face to face and the cycle is interrupted. See, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hatred can't drive out hatred. Only love can do that. She's met Jesus face to face. She interrupts the cycle. So she loves those who have hurt her. She even forgives those who have broke her. She says, hey, there's someone you just have to meet. In the meantime, the disciples pressed him. Rabbi, eat. Aren't you going to eat? He told them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. 
as you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it will be time to harvest? Well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. The harvester isn't waiting. He's taking his pay, gathering in this grain that's ripe for eternal life. Now the sower is arm in arm with the harvester, triumphant. That's the truth of the saying, this one sows, that one harvests. I sent you to harvest a field you never worked. Without lifting a finger, you have walked in on a field worked long and hard by others. Many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to Jesus because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on, so Jesus stayed two days. A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it for sure. He's the savior of the world. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Was it for this woman or was it for this village? Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Was it for this woman or was it for this village? And the answer, of course, is yes. Yes. You understand, right? For two thousand plus years this is the way that Jesus changes history one life one story at a time this one conversation begins a revival this woman goes back into town and says man you got you got you got to meet this guy and i would just say one thing to you about that i believe that god's put on your heart and if he hasn't yet he will that there's someone in your life, there's someone in your family, there's someone in your neighborhood, there's someone at your school, there's someone at your job, there's someone on your, on your team that you can invite to church. Will it change their life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need living water to quench their thirsty soul. It's the greatest need of their life. It's the greatest need in our world. Will it change history? Uh-huh. Like, on this side of eternity, we will never understand the power of a simple invitation. That's how Jesus works. He changes everything, one life, one story at a time. So a while ago, I was doing pre-marriage counseling with this amazing young couple. And during one of the sessions, I said to them, it's really weird how it works, you know? Like you meet that person and you look at them and you're like, whoa, (laughs) where have you been all my life? You are flawless. You are perfect. You are unbelievable. Like I can't even believe how amazing you are. And it's not too much longer from that. You've been together for a while and you're looking at that same person going, you breathe funny, it's kind of annoying. (laughs) And I, I said that to them and they laughed. Like, no, but really, really loud, like uproariously. And I mean, I know it's a funny joke and everything, but they're laughing too loud. I'm like, what's so funny? And she says to me, oh, that's so weird you said that because on the way here today, on the way to this session, I looked at him and I said, you breathe funny. It's pretty annoying. (laughs) Here's the thing. Did he really breathe funny? Well, yeah, everyone kind of breathes funny. Have you ever thought about that? 
Like, have you ever really watched another person eat? Everybody eats funny. Like we got a person on staff here at Southside and Brianna wouldn't want me to mention her name so I definitely won't do that. But she, she won't eat in front of people. Like she won't, you have a meeting and everyone's just chowing down and she won't eat. And one day she, I'm like, why aren't you eating? She's just like, oh, I don't really like. And all of a sudden I got self-conscious. But I got over it and now I just eat, okay. Where was I going? Where was I going with this? Great question. I have no idea. Just thinking about eating. I think life's like that. So Jesus stands on the page of history saying, hey, you know what your primary need is? Like there's all this stuff out there, right? There's all these circumstances and they're real and they're true and they're traumatic sometimes and they're tragic sometimes. You know what your greatest need is? You need living water to quench your thirsty soul. But something inside of us, like we just chase all this stuff out here. Talked earlier about money, right? You chase and you chase and you chase money and you get to a certain point where to some degree you, you have more than you ever could have imagined that you would have back then and then you look at money and you go, you breathe funny. It's kind of annoying. You didn't live up to all the promises I thought that you were making. Or we chase after pleasure. And we chase and we chase and we chase and we chase and we somehow think this pleasure is gonna quench our thirsty soul. And at some point we look at pleasure and we go, you chew funny. It's kind of annoying. Or, or we chase after the approval of people. Even our marriages. I'm sure you're married to an amazing person and I'm so happy for you. But even if you're married to an amazing person, at some point you come to this startling realization that as amazing as they might be, they can't quench your thirsty soul. Only God can do that. And so I would say to you, what Jesus has been saying to people just like this Samaritan woman 2,000 years ago, you today need living water to quench your thirsty soul. Let's pray. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I guess I wanna ask you a question. How's your soul? If the, if the honest answer for you today would be this, I'm feeling dry, I'm feeling defeated, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling like I try and I try and I try and I try to orchestrate circumstances, but yet at the core of who I am, it's not enough. I wanna tell you who is, his name is Jesus. He is the living water. He came, he stepped into human history, he lived a perfect sinless life and he died to put all of your guilt and all of your shame and all of your regrets to death so that you can have a fresh start and a new beginning today, today, right now. And not only did Jesus die, but he rose again. He rose again so that you can rise to a new life, a life that will, be, will, will, will rise up in you from the inside out. It's gonna change the person you are. It's gonna change the marriage you have. It's gonna change the friendships you enjoy. It's gonna change everything, today, tomorrow, and forever. You need living water to quench your thirsty soul. So I just wanna ask you, man, if you've never, or woman, if you've never invited Jesus to quench your thirsty soul, if you've never asked him, everything that needed to be done has been done. He wants to get to work on your life, starting right now. All you need to do is accept it. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you wanna just raise your hand because I wanna pray for you right now. 
if today is your day. Nice and high if you don't mind. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, if your hand is up, whether we're online or in person, you can put your hand down and I'm gonna pray out loud and invite you to pray quietly with me. So dear Jesus, thank you that you've gone before us into this spectacular moment. I ask you to be my savior. I hand you my, my sin and my shame, my guilt and my regrets. I pray that you would forgive them all. I hand you my scars and I pray for healing. Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord, that as you rose again, that you would give me the strength to rise too, that you would change me. More hope, more joy, more peace today, tomorrow, and forever. And Jesus, for all of us who maybe church is our thing or we've been following you for weeks or months or years or even decades, we come to you sincerely and humbly right now, Jesus, and we ask that you would fill our hearts with living water, that we would be fully, completely, abundantly alive so that people around us would look and go, man, there's something there. There's something there. Thank you. Thank you that we who know you can always get to know you better and more. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate, guys. So you're going to go to the lobby right now. I mean, I guess unless you vault out of one of those doors there. Um, but most likely you're going to go to the lobby. I, this is cool what I'm about to say, by the way. This is like really awesome what I'm about to share. There's a bunch of people with kind of goofy hats on. No offense, but they're chosen to be a little bit goofy. And they're there to sign you up for All is Bright. So let me be really clear. Let me be really clear. November 26th, All is Bright. We need you to serve. You see, Mike, are you telling me that if I have plans, I should change them for November 26th? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. That's exactly what I'm saying. You need to be here. And you need to give. Ooh. Mike, are you telling me then I need to go without something this Christmas so that somebody else can have something? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's so weird. You're reading my mind. This is so awesome. I'm glad we're on the same page. Listen to this, though. Listen to this. When we serve together and when we give together, at the end of it, listen, this is crazy. Listen to this. At the end of it, you and I will look at each other and we'll go, what just happened? You know when Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive? It was true the whole time. Love you guys. See you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.